Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Gianna. And I'm Bianca. Today's episode is the last Art Pop Talk of the year. Oh my gosh, and we are using it to art historically and pop culturally reflect on the 2022 year. And later in the episode, we're going to play a little 2022 APT question game. We can't believe it's another APT in the wraps. So Bianca, without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. 2022 has got to go. Totally. No, just kidding. I feel like it was a good year. Yeah, no, 2022 was fine. Um... <laughs> It was definitely much better than, like... 2020. I mean, yes, totally. Also, 2019 kind of kicked my ass, like, the little... 2019 has been... It it lives in the tops. I think it's also just because it lives so high in my mind right before COVID. It was like, remember, we could do all these things and how amazing it was, and then all of a sudden we couldn't. And so I think part of that fact... 2019 remains one of my all-time favorite years. So year. year. Yeah. yeah the there summer. Was a, there was a lot about this. I think just like a lot happened in 2019 because I was going through a lot medically at like the end mm-hmm. of 2019. But what was really frustrating is like I was at my peak in 2019. Like I remember like that being <laughs> such a good birthday. That was like the hottest I'd ever looked 2019. And I think that was also my golden birthday too. I turned... 2020 i turned 2020 i turned 22 oh in in, on the 22nd yes and that happened in 2019 so i thought it was like oh my god like this is gonna be like everything and then it was like false chronic illness and then pandemic and then no job for gianna and so it was just a lot yeah but that all came after that was 2020 when all that all came yeah i guess so but I guess, I guess in my brain, like, it all started going downhill after my 22nd birthday. And then I was, you know, 22 and the pandemic started, and now I'm 25. So. Yeah, tell me about it, sister. I think it feels. Yeah. So 2022 can actually kiss my ass. We're done. I think 2022 has been a great year. Tell us why. It just, I feel like I'm getting more settled. It's been a year that I've been in Boston. Oh my uh, gosh, has it been a year? Yeah, it's since October. Wow. And we'll, we'll talk about it later, I think. I think we'll, we'll save our pits and peaks for a little later. Because I, I got some good stuff for, for our discussion. Okay, okay, totally. Yeah. We'll get your hot takes on 2022. Yeah. Later on. But you... you are finishing out the year on a high note. You really are. Yes. No, I I definitely am. So Theban and I will be going to Malaysia this week, which is very exciting. This is the last week of November. And yeah, it's my first time going. And it's just a funny experience when I kind of describe maybe like my relationship to people because Theban and I have been dating for five years now yeah is that right five years and we've done all the typical kind of first date stuff or you know first things you do when you start dating like meet your family right and we've done that for me and clearly he's a really big part of my family but I've only ever met his immediate family once and it was Mm -hmm. very brief and it was also in what 2018 and Theban hasn't been home in three years 
And so I've just never spent significant time with his family. And I've never done things like, oh, like that was my elementary school or, you know, oh, that was my high school. Oh, like that's where like my childhood bedroom. Yeah. Like I used to like, like work as a barista in this coffee shop when, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Which is accurate. We will be going to the coffee shop where Theban was a barista. That is on the agenda, just so everybody knows. But it's just, it's exciting for us. And I think it'll actually be really cute to kind of like relive kind of some of these like, oh, like first relationship things that we never got to do five years ago. Totally. So that is really exciting. What's the thing that you're most excited to see whenever you're in Malaysia? Um... Well, kind of maybe like art historically speaking. So there are a lot of really amazing Hindu temples. There are a lot of uh, religious sites built into the natural landscape. There's a lot of like Mm -hmm. caves. And so there are the Batu caves that are really close to the city of Kuala Lumpur that I'm making Theban take me to, but he doesn't want to go because there's like a million stairs. And I'm like, take me to the Batu caves. (laughs) And I guess there's like... I'm actually really, like, scared about, like, monkeys because I'm really – I Bianca, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't okay. like – I don't like monkeys. They freak me out. They're, like, people. <laughs> I don't like it. Really? I didn't know you were scared of monkeys. I don't know. I just, like – they're, like, squirrels there, you know? And so – Okay, so it's kind of, like, different context. Like, yeah, and I've never – It's like they're more – uh like I don't like the, they're more like approachable or some more maybe uh, what's like I'm looking for? I don't know I don't like squirrels either but they don't like come near me I feel like <laughs> I don't know so monkeys kind of freak me out I mean I like respect them from a distance kind of like the sea you know what I mean but I feel like, like I respect <laughs> the sea from a distance I'm not going into the ocean you know what I mean you don't go in the ocean I like dip my toe in but I'm not gonna go like out into the sea why I don't know. I don't like the sea. <laughs> I'm learning so much, honestly. I'm just scared of everything. I'm going to become a hermit. Um, like stalagmite? <laughs> Bianca thinks I'm afraid of stalagmite. Apparently. I found that out today. Before we started recording, Gianna was showing me these caves. And I was like, she was like, yeah, but like I'm, these caves, like I'm kind of nervous. About. I was like, aren't you afraid of stalagmite? I could have sworn at one point or another for That's some reason. such a specific phobia. Like, I feel like if I had an actual fear of, like, stalagmite... Not, like, a fear, that... fear but kind of, like, weary of <laughs> I mean, I guess stalagmite's fucking weird now that I think about it. I, for some reason, have this memory of... <laughs> I thought it was you. <laughs> what the fuck? Being afraid of stalagmite. But in any I mean, event, I have I am my quirks. Happy for, to... For all. Happy to add that one to the list, you know. But. Yeah, well, you'll have to keep us updated on how the caves are. Are I you going s- to any, like, museum museums while um, you're there? Yes, there is a museum in Kuala Lumpur. That is kind of more of, since we are there mostly for family, and the big reason why we are actually going to Malaysia is because Theban's brother is getting married. So there's a lot of celebrations and ceremonies that go along uh, before the actual wedding. So everything kind of in the city, as far as our itinerary, is kind of um, building off of that like mm-hmm. family agenda. And so we'll be able to go to some museums in Kuala Lumpur, um, which which will be good. But um, but yeah, definitely like. Mostly, like, families on the agenda, but Theban's very much, like, a really big foodie, so this will definitely... The, I'm going to get the full, like, gastronomy tour of, like, Theban oh, yeah. the Bonadum, you know? It'll be good. Oh, 
I'm so excited. So you have to document everything. And I will document food and nothing but stalagmite for you guys. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be such a good recap. Make sure yeah. that you subscribe. Really fascinating. Like Bianca said in our intro, this is our last episode of 2022 and we want to get into it. But we do have some housekeeping. So we have mixed things up at our pop talk since the summer, as you guys know, and we haven't really taken a formal poll in a while about what content you all are wanting to hear from us or see from us. Also, just kind of get your perspective on maybe how you've been liking the bi-weekly episode structure as well. It just seems like good practice for end of the year. And secondly, what about extra content for the art pop tarts? So do you guys want us to organize another, um, maybe a virtual happy hour, or do you guys want to do an actual meetup? We could do one in Boston, or we could do one in Tulsa where Bianca and I are at. So definitely slide into our DMs and also look out for our end of the year posts requesting such feedback as always. You guys know where to find us. You know, we are just but an email or a DM away. Tis true. Tis true. Now that we have housekeeping out of the way, we just could not leave 2022 without one final. And on top of that, I could not let another day go by without talking about this Balenciaga drama. So bear with me as usual. This can get very long winded. Uh, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a, a lot of things going on here. So so stick with me as I try to recap the the two problems at hand, I suppose. First, I'm going to read from Diet Prada's Instagram caption that describes these two separate Balenciaga campaigns. Uh, obviously, we'll link uh, Diet Prada's Instagram for you in the show notes. If you don't follow Diet Prada, highly, highly recommend. I'm sure most of you do, though. Quote, the Objects campaign by Gabriel Gallimbardi, known for his portraits of children surrounded by their possessions, features children holding teddy bears in harnesses and mesh tops. The other campaign by Chris Maggio features models in the Adidas capsule. So this was a collab between Balenciaga and Adidas. It includes a shot of a handbag with a page from a 2008 SCOTUS ruling, United States versus Williams upholding the promotion or advertisement of child pornography as a federal crime not protected by free speech. In one image, a model holds a Michael Boramine's art book. I hope I am pronouncing his last name correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. His work has featured nude children and adults engaging in acts of violence, including cannibalism. So that's from the caption from Diet Prada. So... <laughs> In this second campaign, the Adidas campaign, uh, there there are these art books featured, like we said, uh, by Michael Boramines. Who is this artist? Is my question. I've never heard of him before this point. This past June, a critic wrote for the New York Times that Michael Boramines may be the greatest living figurative painter. <laughs> Quite a statement. <laughs> After doing a quick Wikipedia search, uh, I found out that this artist was born in 1963. He is a Belgian painter and filmmaker who lives and works in Ghent. 
His painting technique draws on 18th century art, as well as the works of Manet, Degas. Uh, the artist also cites Spanish court painter Diego Velázquez as an important influence. Bormin's work has been uh, pretty widely displayed, including a solo show in Hong Kong for his series Fire from the Sun. And this is a series of paintings which showed blood-covered toddlers playing in fire and what uh, appeared to be human limbs that are kind of torn apart. The children are kind of surrounded by them or holding them. And a review of the 2018 exhibition said that the, quote, perceived meaning of the works is difficult to voice or uncomfortable to admit. The review went on to read, quote, in most evident terms, Fire from the Sun portrays children aged two or three in various stages of play with fire and what appear to be human limbs, even hair. The children are all light-skinned Sistine child cherubs, sometimes covered in blood. The children do not appear to be distressed or disturbed, though some viewers in the gallery may be. An excerpt from a book on Bormian's work reads, quote, The scenes depicted by the majority of the paintings comprising Fire from the Sun show a state of being or society in which the primal is uncontrolled, without bearings, in a state of an anarchy. Back to Diaprata. The Instagram account kind of recapped how the internet was reacting to both of these ad sequences. Uh, Twitter user slammed Balenciaga for promoting pedophilia, child abuse, pornography, saying the materials were deliberately included and that the bears represented BDSM fetishes. And they also questioned a framed certificate in uh, one of the photos with the Adidas campaign, which they say uh, bears the name John Philip Fisher, who, according to a local Michigan paper, was convicted in 2018 of molesting his granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. Balenciaga issued a, a quick apology after the holiday campaign, that's the bear campaign with the children, stating regret for including the bears in the campaign. They also said they would, quote, take legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set and including unapproved items and that they, quote, condemn abuse of children in any form. Now, flash forward a little bit. Gallimberti told Newsweek, quote, I am not in a position to comment Balenciaga's choices, but I must stress that I was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products nor the models nor the combination of the same. He added that it, he was only there to light the scene and take the picture. So icky things happening all over here. And now we're seeing some of the fallout. So Balenciaga announced that it will take legal action against the production company North Six and the set designer Nicolas Desjardins for its spring 2023 campaign. That's the black and white purse photograph with the Adidas. And the fashion house alleged that, quote, inexplicable acts and omissions made without Balenciaga's knowledge were malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. 
according to court documents filed in the New York State Supreme Court for the County of New York, the company now says it will seek at least $25 million in damages, Balenciaga, for the resulting false association between Balenciaga and the, quote, repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decision. Desjardins' agent told the Washington Post that the legal papers used in the ad were, quote, obtained from a prop house that were rental pieces used on film and photo shoots. And then everyone from Balenciaga was on the shoot and was present on every shot and worked to edit every image in post-production, adding that Desjardins is being used as a scapegoat and is hiring a legal team. The ad became the second to be pulled by Balenciaga this past week, uh, a move that the company announced uh, in a statement. They also apologized for the, you know, the documents in this Adidas ad on top of this holiday campaign with the children and the bears. Back to the, the bear campaign, which was shot by National Geographic photographer, again, Gabriel Gallimberti. The images in that ad campaign resemble, again, his previous work featuring children surrounded by their toys, but in this case, the children were photographed near wine glasses, other trinkets, holding those bears with the battered eyes, in distressed kind of fishnet tops, leather harnesses. And Balenciaga has since removed the teddy bear ad, and a spokesperson for the fashion house told the Daily Mail, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt, that Gail Umberti's shoot would not be the subject of a lawsuit. So they're not suing the photographer for this particular ad campaign. In a statement posted to his Instagram account last week, the photographer said he had no say in what, again, the props or models were using the shoot, just required to be there for shooting, taking the picture, essentially. Priscilla Gonzalez, a Mexico-based stylist and fashion content creator, referred to Balenciaga's Toy Stories campaign as, quote, an attempt at let's give people something to talk about gone terribly wrong. The edgy fashion house has gained a reputation for being almost an anti-fashion brand, Gonzalez said, stretching the line of what's cool with its collections inspired by The Simpsons and Crocs. Earlier this year, it debuted a $1,500 leather clutch made to look like a Lay's bag of chips. So Gonzalez asks, but just how much can you challenge what's cool? There's a thin line between being creative and essentially using children as props or having them pose with inappropriate items. After all of that, Kimi K is reevaluating her relationship with the brand. So Gianna... (laughs) A lot gone wrong here. What say you? Oh, man. Well, this Bianca and I were kind of talking back and forth today a little bit because we did get that statement from Kim today on November 28th. Um, So we were looking at that. It felt pretty standard. I think it, it sounded like or what she was trying to convey was that she was waiting to formulate her thoughts and came from a perspective um, as someone in the fashion industry and also as a parent and as a mother. Um, So, you know, do with that what you will. I'm not super interested in necessarily honing on her perspective in this. This is just so many things gone wrong at once. And it just, I guess I don't understand how something like this could get so out of hand. And I mean, obviously, like 
obviously terrible things continue to happen in like corporate and creative environments. Obviously we talk about that a lot on the podcast, but how many like red flags do you have to have or to see that like, oh, hey, like maybe we're like pushing it a little too far. And what I also don't understand primarily, I think, is this pointing fingers at who's to blame in the lawsuit of it all. Because if I am a fashion company, I would assume, and I could be ignorant to how this works, is that it would be Balenciaga's vision and they have creative control over their own brand and that they would just hire a production company to just come in and shoot what needs to be done based off the creative direction that they were given. So I think it's really weird. My understanding of the situation is that we're pointing fingers at this production company and and suing them for, you know, this conceptualization, which makes absolutely no sense. Like you are the fashion brand. Like we are just the it's like, we're just a marketing team. Like, this is your thing. Like, we're just doing what we're told. Like, you hired us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Am I missing something? Yeah, I I have a lot of questions, but I agree with you. I think that it's hard to believe no one at Balenciaga was aware of this. But I also... Uh, not that I want to justify the the campaign with Adidas, but I'm I guess I'm just I think it's so hard to believe that these two campaigns happen to have arose around the same time with the same kind of horrific subject matter like undertones. It feels so weird that someone would intentionally put these books from the artist there or that they would use this, these props. Like, where did they get these props? Was it just like they just rented them from a studio but didn't know that the subject matter was, you know, about horrific pedophilia and child pornography? And I guess no one thought to check just paper props if they don't mean anything. But it seems so odd that a photographer... But, but who could have been just, a, a, you know, a hired lens d- doesn't see, like as an artist, doesn't see the depth behind the props. How much of it was seen but ignored and how much of it is truly just human error and ignorance for not thinking anything of like these papers from a rental company. It's just so weird that the two subject matters are like weirdly aligned no, I think it's very much like coincidence. Like, I think not. It's But do I? I don't but know. But what I'm struggling with was the just clear lack of care or awareness to have let this happen mm-hmm. when you were obviously so clearly working with children that you were not being critical about what kind of the bear campaign is a whole other like ball of wax. Like that was clearly, that was clearly messed up. Yeah. This just a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> I also want to talk about, I think this is a really good example. And I am, I apologize to the listeners. I am just not well versed. All of this kind of came up today as I was reading the news. I am mm. not an expert in this uh, artist, I will uh, try to read his name again, Michael Bor- 
foramens, foramines. I was trying to do some preliminary research on him, try to figure out, do have I seen him anywhere? Like, are there a lot of people talking about his work before this? But everything that I could find research-wise was tying him to this Balenciaga controversy. And I, when I looked at the images, the image series, in, this one in particular that I mentioned, like the Fire and Sons or whatever it's called, it is, <laughs> they are disturbing. I will say that. It's, I, I you know, maybe wouldn't recommend people go and seek them out at the outset. You know, if I don't want it to trigger anything for anyone. However, I'm also questioning what is being taken out of context because obviously those books and works by that artist are going to be front and center with the accompanying kind of paperwork in the photos that show these like criminal court cases and things about pedophilia and her horrific things. So I don't know like what is being cherry picked here because are people like I saw tweets being like, it gets worse. Now there's books like these art books in the photos from Michael Bormian's and his artwork is disgusting. And it's like, well, do you, I, I was struggling to find anything from the artist like about this series in particular. I only had one day to do the research, but for me that kind of brought up things we've talked about with Sally Mann in particular and how Sally Mann has been under fire for exploiting her children and uh, crossing this visual barrier into child pornography and exploitation. And I, I don't know if that's the artist's intent with these, but I don't know enough about the artist to say, are we cherry picking what is out of context? But it is odd that, again, those books with his subject matter for one series, like he does have disturbing paintings, or I would call like very graphic other paintings. But it's one of those things where it just reminds me how important art history is and how important it is to take in like all of the context here because people look and obviously that's a controversial or a, a graphic series. So it's going to come up when you Google him. And what does that mean for this next kind of set of visuals that we're seeing from Balenciaga? Yeah, Bianca, I agree. And I, it's kind of hard to get into the paintings of it all or take it back to this painter when we don't have the bandwidth to be able to speak about his work. But what we can talk about, we can criticize is the appropriation and the use of it within this larger project. And I think just mm -hmm. kind of focus on that. But we can go off on a tangent. And I feel as though your thoughts were really interesting just about violence within art. And, mm -hmm. and I feel as though kind of obviously like horror within art from a art historical perspective is something we have talked about. But there are... There's plenty of art out there that is very, very disturbing. Exactly. Um, and that doesn't always mean that the artist is disturbing or was a horrible person. And this is actually mm -hmm. really thought-provoking artwork that we should look at. Or it's the opposite. Or it, it's... Exactly. Like, or or it's like we, we fawn over this, like, Picasso painting 
of abused woman, you know what I mean? We just think, oh, look how pretty she is. Yeah. Oh, the rape of the Sabine women. <laughs> what an Ooh. interesting painting. Oh, the rape of Persephone. Like, how ah. lovely this Bernini is. I love it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. So it's we, we cherry pick, and mm-hmm. that's something that Twitter lends itself very easily to to be able to do. Yeah, that, that to me is not what I want to get into or what I think the issue is. Like, I know nothing about this artist. I don't know if he is a, you know, quote unquote, good or bad person. If we, you know, if it's even possible to define someone as good or bad. But I think even just looking at his work, be very cautious when you do uh, search that if you do choose to. But I mean, it's, it's interesting at first glance. I'm not saying that it's not disturbing, but I've seen plenty of disturbing artwork in my day. Right. Right. So, you know, go look at a Francis Bacon painting. Like, <laughs> fill your boots. Like, <laughs> Walk into any museum ever, and I guarantee you there will be an uncomfortable woman in, in some piece of art on the wall. <laughs> right. Why don't you go... There's a, there's a woman who doesn't want to be where she is. Right. You like bestiality? Check out the Greek wing. <laughs> like, like, and I don't want to make light of this situation. And, and obviously, you know, we are, um, you know, talking about at the end of the day, like using actual children, actual human beings for, you know, this campaign purpose. And this already mm-hmm. just gives me the ick because using kids for things or like I get really uncomfortable when we start to develop like fandom around like child like actors like all of that just makes me really just uncomfortable um in terms of like fandom or like child celebrity making children something that they're already not like this campaign is not for children like this campaign was for adults to consume also like I don't obviously children were not the audience for this campaign Right. And so right. that's just that, also weird. But that's also the case, like, where's the line between, like, a Gap Kids commercial? Because Gap yeah. Kids ads, kids don't want to shop at the Gap. Like, you know, like Baby Gap. Right. Those are for adults buying goods for children. So if we're going to think about that, what is actually for children, like, made by children for children, <laughs> you know? So it's just it's just an interesting dilemma because I even though you're totally right this this campaign for a fashion house was not for kids what is for kids you know and I, I'm not saying that they can't be a part of no true of our tr- spaces but it children play a huge factor in our consumer market but just I think what I also go back to you know, typically is like women drive our consumer market. Like women Mm -hmm. are number one consumers for, you know, I think a lot of different reasons that I think that you can all gather already right now. So when I think about particularly the consumer market in terms of something like children's items or children's clothing, who is the consumer of those items? It's women. And if this campaign was for fucking women, then you're an idiot. (laughs) Like, like why? Mm -hmm. Oh, would you think a mom was, ooh, yeah, let me get that. Like, yeah, you think Kim Kardashian is a like, real thrilled about this? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so I'm just like, where was the rationality behind this? Because if you are actually right. coming at this from like a, a sales tactic or like consumer perspective, and maybe not because I understand that all fashion sometimes just exists to, to just exist. And the normal 
quote unquote normal household middle class parent is probably not the target for no but i just think that like any specifically like parent or like mother if you're going back to kind of more like consumerist theory yeah would be obviously very like offended and taken back by that so yeah um so big yikes (laughs) big yikes for balenciaga (laughs) (laughs) um well bianca excellent art news story thank you though for you know gathering all the information for us we appreciate you totally totally (laughs) anything for the fans anything for the fans Mm-hmm. <laughs> well i also am just finishing up the finale of uh kardashians and it's just a while because in the finale kim won't stop fucking talking about Balenciaga. yeah i was like oh this is awkward which brings me to my pits <laughs> and peaks of 2022 <laughs> i would like to start out off with one of my peaks or my highs and it is a bit controversial so please do not come for me we are going to keep talking about kim kardashian unfortunately but her wearing the marilyn monroe naked dress at the 2022 met gala um of fashion in america i just think was still fascinating and my high isn't about the destruction of this artifact what i loved about this moment was mostly the ongoing conversation because sometimes I feel as though, and particularly also on Art Pop Talk, is that there's so much happening all the time that we don't ever really get a chance to follow up on topics. And that's kind of part of the reason why I thought maybe just the 2022 recap would be a nice episode just to be like, oh yeah, like remember that that happened. Let's just reflect a little bit. And I just actually for once really appreciated the like the internet conversation that was happening about something i'm not saying that it was all very like productive but there was as we were all grappling with our thoughts like i felt like i actually like learned from this experience and it's obviously very sad when a historical artifact gets destroyed you know at least something that came from this was potentially productive it's sad that that was the result but at least not a, a good conversation perhaps came of that. And I also wanted to bring it up because Bianca, you said that you were just finishing the season finale of the Kardashians. And the last episode is just <laughs> cuckoo bananas <laughs> um, because we get her perspective of getting ready for the Met Gala and getting ready and also her interactions with Ripley's, which was really interesting. The day of, you know, Met Monday, they're all in their hotel room. And we also get this glimpse of not only was the dress loaned to Kim, but she also was privy to just having other Marilyn artifacts in her hotel room. And she was very um, anal about the fact that nobody like touch or like breathe on anything, right? And albeit, who knows if that was just for the camera, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there was some, there were precautions and I, I, you know, I'm sure that she was somewhat respectful with her privilege of having these freaking artifacts in her um, hotel room, but she had makeup 
that was once owned and worn by Marilyn, and she also had that iconic kind of coastal grandmother um, sweater along with some other things by Ripley. So it was very much this immersive experience for her to get ready in, which I just thought was fascinating. And just when I thought like we couldn't talk about this anymore, now I find out she had all these other things and she just like got to get ready around them. And I don't know what to do with that now. (laughs) Yeah, that was interesting. And it was, uh, I forget his name now, but he's like the director of Ripley's was in the hotel suite as well. It was saying how grateful he was to Kim because she's taking all these precautions. Also, And now in hindsight, watching it back, you're like, oh man. I feel like my brain just kind of emptied and I feel like my my peak my high is kind of coming out all like word vomity but that also is maybe just like how I also experienced the wearing of this dress in this moment in history and I do feel like it's still going to be something that we go back to and now I feel like if you ever go like see this dress in a museum it'll it won't say the plaque has changed, the lab- the descriptor has changed. And yeah. I just find that so fascinating because now forever, Kim Kardashian has tethered her history to mm-hmm. one of America's Hollywood icons. And yeah. that is just fascinating. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I think that that's a great peak from this year in terms of art historical terms. I mean... As you all heard on the podcast, back and forth and and all the conversations happening, like you said, Gianna, it it really was such a fascinating moment. And to echo your sentiment exactly, it's terrible what happened, but I'm also grateful for the conversation. Yes. Yeah. You said that in a very much more eloquent way than I did. So I appreciate that. No, I just repeated what you said. I was mansplaining your own thoughts back to you. (laughs) Okay, well, we can definitely move on from that, but I will say my other peak or high of 2022 was my Rick Steves, uh, you know, adventure in Greece. I definitely played by the Rick Steves travel book. Um, so now onto my lows or my pits, and I won't get into them too much because I think the fun stuff is, you know, it's just better. But Do you, Bianca, like, do you remember when we were told that, you know, there was going to be repatriation and negotiations between the British Museum and the Greek government? And that was all allegedly underway. Um, Big, false. Absolute silence. Absolute Absolute silence. silence. No development whatsoever. whatsoever. Like, what a trash update that was in 2022. Yeah. I mean, the day has to come. The day has to come in our lifetime when the Elgin Marbles will be returned. And I, I just cannot wait for that day. I, I anxiously await the day we get a follow-up to this story. I don't know. Because what the fuck? I British Museum. Wouldn't hold your breath is all I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Just come on. Just do it already. Honestly, get over yourself. What I would love, because I think what the British Museum have said in the past or when we first got this... Um, like a nugget of, ooh, alleged conversation, Mm -hmm. whatever, was that the British Museum has always been open to or allegedly open to having the uh, sculptures on loan. Oh my gosh. And whatever, let's say that actually does happen. On loan. On On loan loan. from their own country, I can't. 
Yeah, it makes me want to throw up just saying it. But do you, like, the, if that ever happens and the Greek government gives them back, I'm going to be like, what is wrong with you? You just Wait. need to keep them. Do the you know? The biggest upset of, like, the millennia. And that I am, like, dying, wild dying. If, if they just, oh, my God. No. Do you think that's why they're not actually giving them? I, Gianna, this is, like, I never even thought of this before. They would just keep them there. Bianca, that is what I'm saying. On I'm, loan for eternity. On loan for eternity. <laughs> Sucks to suck, Britain. Like, you know what I mean? And How I, does it feel to have your shit stolen? Right. Like, British have a little taste of your own medicine very like academic museum slay i'm like oh what you gonna do now i stole my shit back <laughs> like and they should call it something funny like the acropolis marbles or something the Brit- like, they, they should say should... yeah the british museum yeah, marbles. Like a, little jab. <laughs> a little jab oh my god and that would just be like such a good like art heist story like i'm really <gasps> but an art heist that's like right in our faces right i'm just like dying for a good like thievery right now i need to like oh yeah I could go for a nice heist if someone out there is listening. Can you can you pull one off so we can talk about it? Provide some content. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my last one, Bianca, is like, do you remember when like we were going to have like student debt relief in 2022 and then like Texas happened? Okay, but we are getting debt relief. I saw this in the doc, Gianna, and I was like, I know but also it's like, not for, over till for, it's over and is it actually going to happen in 2022 because student debt the um no pause. it's not it's not it's not going to happen this year so trash so trash for 2022 no i'm still grateful that i'm going to have twenty thousand dollars in my debt wiped away and i'm also kind of grateful that it's like postponed <laughs> until june because i still have thirty thousand dollars left to pay right but it should just be gone now and it's not yeah but then i would have to start paying them back <laughs> Okay, Gianna, you're fine. Gianna, you're literally fine. Your debt is going to go away. I'm scared. (laughs) Joey B is not going back on his word on this one. I don't give a fuck what Texas says. No, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Am I going to be on my deathbed and be like, ah, remember when? Yeah, maybe maybe I'll be like 105 years old and the presidents will always just keep pushing student debt relief back. So we'll never have to pay any of it back. Now I feel like it just like forever these two thoughts are like forever intertwined in my head, like government relations between, you know, the UK and and Greece and then also student debt relief. Like I need those two things to happen at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they they will happen. I think one is gonna happen sooner than the other. (laughs) Shut it down. I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting your low down. It's honestly out of control. I don't know, sister. This is maybe what we each bring to the table. Like, you're optimistic, and I am the Debbie Downer. (laughs) And, you know, our personalities complement each other, so. Totally. But we can can be done with my pits. I just think it's going to be fine. I think it's really going to be fine. Okay. So that's why why I don't think it should be a low, because, dude, you're getting your debt paid off. That's sweet. And I, I have, like, a lot of <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a lot wiped out, which I'm very thankful for. I think that's a high. Right, but, like, when? I don't care. I don't have to pay it back until he says I do, so. Yeah, he pushed I'm it back good. till the summer now. Yeah, I know. So it's, like, I'm fine. So I guess, I don't know, we'll get, we'll get another notice in the summer. Like, god damn it. 
I just have too much anxiety for this and you're way too calm. She's over here. She's calm like a cucumber and I am not. (laughs) It's it's like going to be fine. Okay. Well, then I'm going to let you get into your highs and lows of 2022. (laughs) Uh, An Talk high was having Daria Foner on the podcast. I was looking back at our year's worth of episodes and I was just really grateful to have her on. She was such an intelligent and amazing guest and to hear this story about a woman who has worked so hard in the museum field and to be able to recognize her work in that way through our conversation. I've just felt really honored to to have that talk with Daria and I was so grateful for her presence. Uh, and to update you guys, I did check on the Morgan Library's website and they say that the exhibition is coming in fall 2024. So it's, it's you know, it's on their website. I'm keeping an eye on it. As, as soon as they update us on like a reception, I'm going to become a member of the Morgan so we can go to the reception. Oh, cool. Members and then I'll end my membership. <laughs> and then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll delete. <laughs> One month free. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're going to do. But we've had a lot of amazing guests this past year finally having Culture Quota on the show. That was in 2022. Iconic. Iconic. We had so many amazing guests on this year. I know. Culturella, Women's Art Wednesday. We had actual celebrities on our show. No. And yeah, we did. We actually had like this like precious gem of a woman who just is able to like work full time and also write an amazing series of young adult fiction stories. And that just blows my mind. And right? I don't I know. know. I'm in wild. awe of just everyone we had on the podcast and that they like want to talk to us because <laughs> I don't know why, especially after listening to myself in this episode. I'm like, why are these people friends with us? Why is people friends? Why is people friends with us? Um, uh, yeah, so just very, very honored to, ha- to have those guests on this year. And Gianna, we started 2022 with Drunk Art History. That feels like forever ago. And I was thinking we should continue that into 2023 because I'll be home again for Christmas this year and we can record it. And it, it was really fun. Oh my gosh, Bianca, what an amazing I'll be home for Christmas <laughs> Drunk Art History. Like, it's... oh my gosh. So yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, as far as lows go, I think, I think we all heard I had some very personal lows in 2022, but I I started off the year in a, you know, a real deep pit, Pawnee, Indiana style, (laughs) and that turned into some amazing threads that we got to carry into, into the show. And it's funny now looking back that, uh, I was looking at this She's Not Well episode and I had mentioned that in my interview for the job that I have now and you know my now boss is asking me oh like you have a podcast and I was like yeah but don't listen to this last episode <laughs> and she kind of like mentions it from time to time like you know it's, it's just funny that now I have this job that I love so much and it's the first year where I'm not working in the arts or actively pursuing a career in the arts since 2013. So it's, it's going on 10 years that I thought I wanted to do this thing and now I'm not. And that was a, a real low. But 
it's balanced for this feeling of immense gratitude for you, Gianna, and our pop talk and all of our listeners that I can find joy and you allow me to find joy and love in this thing that I care very deeply for. And it may not be what I had envisioned 10 years ago, but I'm just very proud to be a part of these art pop conversations with you all. So I just wanted to thank you guys for for the highs and lows of 2022. Oh my gosh, that was like so nice and heartfelt. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. I was really reflecting, dude. That's so nice. I just threw a bitch fit about my debt. I'm like, that was so nice. Well, I love you and we're all so grateful for you and you know I'm no you at, put up with me you you put up with I me just so feel like much. at the time like you know pit that you were in just felt like so deep and just like eternal and I just think maybe that's like a nice little takeaway from this episode is that yeah you never know when you're gonna claw your way out of it honey <laughs> we fell in the pit All right, everyone. Well, on that note, we are going to take a quick, short, little break. And when we come back, Bianca and I are going to play a little question game of 2022 trends and moments. and welcome back to the last half of our 2022 recap episode. We are going to end today's Art Pop Talk with a little game where Bianca and I ask each other some short questions recapping 2022, a little guessing and a little reflecting. So Bianca, I'm going to start things off. What were the top visual art trends of 2022? Uh, You know, I was doing some thinking about this question and it has been really eye-opening to think about this question not in relation to TikTok because I feel like for the past kind of two years that COVID lockdown space I was so glued to the trends that other people were experiencing and that I was kind of taking on behalf of their experiences and that's how the world works that's how the world has always worked with print ads, you know, billboards, social media. But um, I think there's such a strong presence for that kind of influence in TikTok. And so this was the first year that I've had being without it and trying to come up with an answer for the visual art trends of 2022. It, it felt more difficult to think about than I realized because you see so many of those like small business creators, those fashion creators, influencers on TikTok and something about the way that I intake those has been different over this year. Also, when I started my work in April, I'm a content creator for a company and so part of my visual trends are work trends you know am I being influenced by other graphic design other kind of ad and marketing media so I think for me since I started my new job I think I'm just really honed into the presence of marketing in my life and that's not a great answer for the the trends but it's what I have thought about Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we were we were looking for portraits. <laughs> the Kardashians just had portraits at their Thanksgiving dinner. I'm dead. That's great. So that's really funny. No, I loved everything that you said. And I think when I like we were looking for portraits. We were looking for portraits. Which More, we new merch idea. New merch idea. <laughs> With like portraits of us. What is your wrong? Um so no, I think like because we don't shut those two perspectives off here on our pop talk. So I think when I think of like visuals in 2022 I honestly feel like my brain is fried and I just think of fast same visuals over and over and over and over again and um that has a lot to do with the media that I'm consuming but when I also think about that in terms of like an art viewing experience I think it's scary that even our relationship with viewing a work of art is even getting faster than it was before which yeah. I think is is interesting. Like what typically someone spends less than a minute looking at a work of art in a physical space, but I think online, I think it's even shorter. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love portraits, so I'm here to explore that more. So let's explore it a little bit. So I think in terms of what we are seeing from a like a fine art perspective is we are still kind of piggybacking off of this isolation experience from the pandemic and so we're just looking at more kind of humanizing moments um oh that's fascinating coming through with something like portraits and then also we have this return to nature which we have talked about on the podcast and so landscapes are definitely making a comeback that's a really interesting takeaway because I'm sure that during COVID, you and I kind of asked that question. I wonder what the art coming out of COVID will look like mm-hmm. in the future. And to see that come to fruition in the form of portraiture is not something I would have expected. I definitely would have gone more like nature, kind of art installation, like feelings of loneliness. or Yeah, and I, I think that's coming through in both because there's so, right. there's so much about like the perspective of obviously landscape that we are so limited to our bodies as human and our understanding as humans that like the landscape is always going to be through the eyes or through the guise of a human. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like there's meaning in the landscape, you know? So like, there's a lot of that like isolation and loneliness. That's all kind of jam packed Mm. in there. Um, And then I think like we got a lot of like weird art too. We got a lot of like animal portraits, which Mm. kind of like culminating those two things is I actually went to a show this year a colleague of mine had a a solo show in Tulsa and her show was all about uh, grief and death and she lost some loved ones in her life her father but she also lost her pets and it was Mm. giving very much kind of like dead pet ceremony in a very kind of like kitsch way and Mm -hmm. She had a lot of portraits of like her dead dog, but they came, they were portrayed in this very kind of um, surrealist, quirky, funny way at the same time. And there was also a lot of like sad, textured paintings that had like glow in the dark paint on them. It was just very interesting. There was also a performance um, aspect to that exhibition opening I went to as well. There was performative art, and there was something about it that just hit. And 
I don't mm-hmm. know why, but as I reflect on this poll that I found on the internet of what <laughs> what were the top trends in 2022, I'm like, damn, like that exhibition hit. And that was one of the only real kind of, I don't know, openings that I maybe went to this year that I guess stick mm-hmm. out in my mind. So I guess that was yeah. more fun for me. But um Let's move on to the next question. So, Bianca, <laughs> how would you classify 2022 fashion? And I feel as though we have talked about Portraits. this. <gasps> Portraits. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm going to give another long-winded answer, and I, I feel like I'm going to get the question wrong. But I was thinking browns. When I think of 2022, I am entering Bianca's adult brown aesthetic, like – Brown clothes, brown lips, uh, living my 11-year-old dream from the the browns that were thriving in the early 2000s. Uh, sad beige. And I was thinking about the clean girl aesthetic. I was thinking about these kind of ethereal pieces that we see. I think something about Olivia Rodrigo's album cover also kind of exemplifies the look for me of 2022 mm. uh those bubble braids things that i think are just like squishy and to quote gianna chunky when i also think of 2022 oh yeah chunky totally yeah chunky to the max i love that you talked about browns bianca i specifically bought two brown shirts on black friday because it's been my new year's resolution is to wear more brown yeah yeah, I'm wearing to, a lot of brown these days. I think also I have like this whole like capsule wardrobe thing, right? Like that's kind of how I think about like fashion these days is, oh, you need a capsule wardrobe. Like, oh my God. It's like my wardrobe is those two things for me. I mean, when I think about my own fashion, that's obviously being influenced by, you know, factors around me. It is the Kim K neutrals. It is the browns. It is the Glossier Generation G lip. In Leo, my favorite lipstick. I also just bought a new one in Malt. <laughs> but I. But then on, t- like to contrast that, it's that it's that bubble, it's that squish, it's that pink, it's those retro tones, it's the you know color blocking. So there are two kind of conflicting aesthetics that uh, I'm being influenced to. Yeah. To wear. <laughs> well, I think that you are completely accurate. I think some of the phrases that I pulled that kind of stuck out to me were definitely Y2K. And I think in terms of kind of this like chunky aesthetic that people have been kind of conceptualizing based on their kind of look maybe can go a lot of different ways and can go mm-hmm. Y2K. It can go hot goth. I think we've yeah. definitely been seeing that a lot of like a latex situation and also yeah. like a I feel like we always have like academic style that's just like always there. Haven't it? It comes up in the fall. Yeah. Every fall, you you're gonna get the yeah. Kind of... But academic style, I think, really lends itself to kind of like working women fashion. Like oh, yeah. like I can still be like trendy and like on point, but also like I have to wear long sleeves when I go into the office. <laughs> <laughs> I can't show my tattoo. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah, those were kind of the three things that stood out mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, so speaking about just, you know, like the bubble, the chunk, the fun, the kitsch, how many shows did Harry Style play at Madison Square Garden consecutively for Love on Tour? 15. You are correct. That was such a fast answer. Oh my gosh. 
Thank you. I did go to a show. <laughs> you did go. I don't know. I would I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> no, because I was like trying to get tickets. So I was like, how many fucking nights are there? Oh, I have, I have 15 options. Let's go. Well, I didn't because I could pick between the 15 during the pre-sale what my top three were. And then Ticketmaster selected which show I was going to. Like Ooh. I did not get the option. So... Is the whole Ticketmaster thing a pit or a peak of 2022? Literally the biggest pit dumpster fire of 2022. <laughs> I, I hate Ticketmaster. I'll say that live on yeah, air. Yeah, but, but now I'm like, part of me is like happy about like, I was listening to this, this podcast the end of when the they were, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I would love to see it like burn further, but uh, I think it was Oh, I hope I get this right. Pearl Jam, where in like the 90s, they had an issue kind of similar to Ticketmaster. And there was like a whole history on like how Ticketmaster like always, it's like this cyclical thing where they, people get so annoyed and then the government just doesn't do anything about it. Like it is full on a, a monopoly and it's wild that this is existing. I just like, God, I hate Ticket. I hate Ticketmaster. Oh my God. It's terrible. It's terrible. Alyssa sent me a screenshot of tickets for Taylor Swift that were $76,000 a piece. $76,000 for one ticket. And that was like a legal thing that you could buy on Ticketmaster. It was just like a, a thing that was there for purchase. I, I can't get over it. I don't have thoughts about. Yeah. That's fair. Like that, that emptied my brain. Yeah. So I can ask you a question now. Okay, great. Why my brain is good and empty. Let's go. So I don't have, you know, uh, well, I only have one uh, hard and fast shirt question for you, but the other ones are, you know, how I was interpreting your questions, like very like loosey goosey. Mm. What was your favorite piece of art that you discovered this year? Ooh, um, divine art. <laughs> mm, I might limit it to like something that goes in a museum or gallery, something you saw on a show, outdoor exhibitions, like outdoor art, mm. public sculpture. I'm going to limit it to like the typical textbook definition of, Ooh. or picture of art, Ooh. I suppose. It's not like your brown shirt that you bought on Black Friday. That, that's not, that can't be okay, your favorite well, piece of art. Brood, I'm really excited about my brown <laughs> shirt. Um, I had the lovely pleasure this year of writing a article for an upcoming issue of Culturala, uh, which we spoke about when we had Maria Krukliak on the podcast. So I was able to sit down and talk with an artist named Harriet Gillett, um, who um, is a, I don't want to define her to a surrealist artist because I think she's just a contemporary artist that plays off of surrealism and dreamscapes and Mm -hmm. her work ended up being kind of a challenge for me to write about because it was like everything and nothing at the same time because I love work so much and it was really fun for me to talk about because what I love so much about art and I feel like what I preach is just like it is whatever you think it is like we can give the artist the benefit of the doubt and the artist can have this intent uh Mm -hmm. but really like what do you think about it and it's really difficult sometimes I feel as though in 
the working world within the arts to write academically kind of about that perspective. And so to be given the platform and the ability to sit down with the artist who kind of talk about those perspectives was really interesting. So ultimately, you know, I definitely think her her work definitely comes from her lens about personal memory um, that she puts into a work of art. But then your takeaway from it is really you're given that freedom as the viewer and you know Mm -hmm. she can't really control what you think about her dreamscape or her memory when she also doesn't give you exactly all the information and so i think there's a little bit of like safeguarding within that and so i'm not sure when that issue will be published with um culturala Uh, but again that artist's name is harriet gillett and she was just also a really lovely person to sit down and have a conversation with this year so big fan and they're just like really pretty and soft and you know I was telling her like there is something so like scream-esque and also some Mm -hmm. something very kind of like feminine and modern um Mm. about her work and I think a lot of that has to do with um her medium and she uses spray paint and really like like kind of like hot pink tinted spray paint and so that really adds this like contemporary element but there's something Mm. that's so reminiscent of something as a quintessential scream that it really like lends itself to surrealism um yeah that i i just i really like and when you think about work that is made on like just very big monumental scale she has this really great kind of juxtaposition between talking about like western diptychs but also this idea of the contemporary phrase of uh, rose tinted glasses and so paintings become very like cinematic and mm-hmm. you enter this kind of whole other realm and theory when you use a phrase like that and when you use it visually uh-huh. and so there's just there was so much to her work you know what i mean it's like everything and it's nothing and i was like oh like how do i talk about this <laughs> like yeah yeah so she she was really I cool yeah great answer Portraits. Um, we'll we were looking posted. for portraits. Portraits. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll we'll keep everyone updated when you can get your hands on the latest copy and see Gianna's article. Indeed. Who or what are your predictions for your 2022 Spotify rap? <laughs> really pressing questions here. This question is mean. Um so not that you all were just like way down the edge of your seat for me to listen to Midnight's, but I did listen to it. And uh, you did. Yeah. And I, you know, did like it. I think that there was, as a non Swifty person, there was probably a lot of that music that I didn't need. But I think like the concept and the overall tone really lended itself well to like songs written at midnight and that kind of mm-hmm. tone. So there was a lot about the album that I did appreciate. And like, you know, I do love a good bop. And I think that there's some definitely like good bops. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Taylor was an artist that came up on my wrapped. Um, but I exposed myself the other day to Bianca because we were talking about Spirited, the new Christmas movie that just came out with Will Ferrell and um, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. And we were talking about like, oh my gosh, like Will Ferrell just like killed it. And I love that he can like sing. And I don't know. I'm just like oddly like proud of him. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> But I was talking about how much I love the Eurovision movie on Netflix. When did that movie come out? Like 2020? 
I have no I idea. Just, I'm going to look it up I, right now. I think it's like two years old. It is. It might have come out in 2019. I think it's 2020. I feel like I oh, watched it Oh, it came out in 2020. came out in 2020. Yeah, I watched it, it at Mom's house during COVID. Okay, well, anyways, it is. Um, I really like it. And the like song that she sings on the end, like, Hometown, I'm sorry, is beautiful. <laughs> Not just, like, listen to it all the time. And I think it came up. Because I was listening to like, you know, just like Broadway, like show tunes and, you know, just letting my Spotify play. And it came up this year. And then I was just like, repeat, repeat. Um, But then I started listening to, and I couldn't tell you her name, but the singer who actually sings that song because it's not Rachel McAdams. And I was listening to her her, um, music. And it's just like nice to listen to like you know, music and like different languages and stuff. So I don't yeah. think she'll be on my Spotify wrapped, unfortunately, but I think that fucking hometown song is going to be. And then I, I can tell you the rest. I have absolutely no clue. It's definitely going to be like unhinged. Like it's not going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited to see where you're <laughs> I never <laughs> share mine ever. It's so bad. <laughs> Will you share it on APT story this year? That would actually be really funny. <laughs> All right. I want to see, yeah, your top songs and your top artists. Well, everyone should be scared. I don't know. No, no. I think Orville Peck will be one, no? Oh, excellent point. Yes. Yeah, I think Orville will probably make mine. Yes. I am. Yeah, that was the best album. I think Bronco Bronco will probably be just Chef's Kiss. That was actually my biggest fucking pit of 2022 was getting COVID and not being able to go see him. We're, we're going to go one day. Okay. It's going to be great. I think I'm going to invite him to the wedding. I should send him like a wedding invite. Oh my God, totally. Do you have Gaga's address? Oh, she's on your list, right? Yeah, I'll send, I'll invite Orville and I'll invite Gaga. The thought, just the thought makes you want to cry. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Speaking of, number one, we can't let one APT episode go by without mentioning Queen. How many shows did Lady Gaga perform for the summer 2022 Chromatica Ball? I honestly have no idea, but I'm gonna say it was around 20. 20, exactly. Oh, okay. Love a good even number. That's great. Good job. Yeah, she because she added some kind of at, like, not the last minute, but as things were opening up, she was able to add more dates. Yeah. I feel like it, like, should have been more. It should have been, like, a billion. <laughs> like, so I could have gone. I could, I could, I could go every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> Um, Chromatica balls every day in my heart, so. Truly. <laughs> Hear that? <laughs> Miss Germanata, please come to our place. <laughs> One last question for you, Gianna. To wrap up this year, looking to 2023, what are you most excited for whenever we come back in January? For when we come back in January, you know, I am just impressed with us every year. You know, we keep this show going. So 101 episodes. 101 episodes. Yeah. I mean, I look forward to just like the bragging rights that I, you know, have to, you know, keep Gianna going, you know, through the days. Like, hey, like another year, sister. You got it. Um <laughs> I am definitely looking forward to being married and having my wedding in 2023, although that'll still be, you know, 
still a little bit ways away, but it'll, it'll be here before we know it. And I've also coming up on like my first year of employment at the nonprofit that I've been working for. And um, I'll hit my first year mark in January of 2023. And so it's very exciting to not keep beat popping around <laughs> like I had been. Yeah. Um, so that that's good. That's a good milestone. Yeah. I'm excited for some good content that I'm already thinking about. Just it, it, 2023 is going to be APT wedding themed. Like our historical wedding, we're on it. Like, so, oh my gosh, yes. No, I definitely have a special guest in mind from someone who's on 2022 who is also engaged and there might be a little bit of collaboration in the works for a fun-filled oh, wedding yes. episode. So, oh my gosh. That, I, and that's still on my mind. I thought of a really good theme, Gianna, for your bachelorette party and around Valentine's Day. I was thinking we could do like a bachelorette kind of uh, episode. Oh, okay. Well, we have much to discuss then. I wanted to speak that into existence before I forget. Gotcha. And then February passes and we're like, what do we do? Oh, get some content. <laughs> But all that being said, I think that about wraps it up for us on this year of Art Pop Talk. As I said earlier, I'm so grateful for you guys, for all the listeners, for everyone who has given me encouragement, words of advice, words of support, who listens to APT, who sends us stuff on Instagram, who sends us emails. We love you guys so much and and we're honored to, to have you be a part of this community. Oh, well, yet again, just lovely thoughts over here from Bianca, but I echo your sentiments as well. (laughs) (laughs) Gianna is off to Malaysia. So like we said at the beginning, you know, this is the only episode for the month of December. She's taken off. Then I will be in Oklahoma for the holidays. We will keep you updated, of course, across our social media at ArtPopTalk. Always email us at ArtPopTalk at gmail.com. If you like this content and are feeling generous, please donate to our Buy Me a Coffee account. That can be found in our bios on our website, ArtPopTalk.com. Again, we'll keep you posted throughout the holiday season. We're wishing you all lots of joy, lots of warm wishes throughout the holidays. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a wonderful new year, and and we'll be in touch, touch throughout the season. So we will talk to you guys in 2023. Bye, everyone. Bye. Art Pop Talk's executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner, and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond. <laughs>